Welcome to episode 13 of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, where you hear what it's like to train for and run your first marathon. I'm Dwayne France, and I'm joined by Coach Morgan Lattimore, the People's Coach, and together we're going to share the week-by-week training journey that'll take me, just a regular guy and a mere mortal, to the finish line of my first marathon. And if I can do it, you can too. Thanks for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. I'm excited to be going on this journey and pleased to invite you to join me along the way. There's a couple of ways that we can be connected. Follow the podcast wherever you listen to them, and you'll be notified when a new episode comes out. You can also see where the journey takes me by connecting on Strava by going to strava.com forward slash athletes forward slash M3 podcast. The link will be in the show notes. There, you'll see if I'm following the training plan like I'm supposed to be. You can find all of the episodes on the fundraising page of my charity partner, The Second Wind Fund, at coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast. The mission of The Second Wind Fund is to decrease the incidence of suicide in children and youth by removing barriers to treatment. They match children and youth at risk for suicide with licensed therapists in their communities and pay for up to 12 sessions of therapy when there's a barrier to treatment. And simply by listening right now, you're doing your part. Every time someone listens to an episode, $1 will be donated at Second Wind Fund up to $1,000. So listen, share, and know that you're doing your part to stop suicide in children and youth in Colorado. So check out coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast for all the episodes to give to the cause or simply to see how far we've gotten. This week, Coach Morgan and I go over week 10 of training. As you heard in the last episode, and we're going to be talking about it in this episode, we had a step back week where we pulled it back to 17 miles for recovery purposes. There were mostly easy runs, meaning running a minute and a half or two minutes slower than 5k pace, and a couple of steady runs where we ran how we felt that day. Both of the steady runs, three miles each, were before the rest days on Thursday and Sunday, so I ran both of those at a slightly higher pace of about nine minutes or so. In this episode, Coach and I talk about that, but also, since we're two months out from the race, are starting to talk about race day plans. One quick note, if Coach Morgan's audio sounds a bit odd, it's because he was traveling back from Washington, D.C.'s Rock and Roll Marathon south through Virginia on I-95, but it was still a great conversation and a necessary one. So check out this week's coaching call reviewing the week, and we'll come back afterwards to wrap things up. So week 10 is done. Had a little bit of a step back week, taking it a bit easy this week. Yeah, how did that go for you? It went good. I think especially as you and I were talking a little earlier in the week, coming off of the big week last week, the race and then the 10 mile, I took it very easy on on the first day, the four mile, took it even slower normally than my slow pace. But then you were right. And not that I didn't doubt that you weren't right, but there was some strange pains cropping up throughout the week. And I'm like, I'm not even running that much and there's some pain. So you were right about that. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like the people that ramp up to a race as most people start thinking like, oh, I, it's, it's harder effort. I, do. I got everything I need. But the, it's not about the mental preparation of the body as well. Understanding the science and the what the cycles of what the, the body goes through. And so if you're not preparing yourself or your coach is not preparing you for it, then you might have like, oh, man, am I injured? What is going on? Am I getting slower? Yeah. What, and so you start having negative emotions that if I wouldn't have that conversation, which you wouldn't be ready. Yeah, you're right. But I also, I was thinking today is one of the two rest days that you gave me, but this is like a little mini taper 
right? Like, I, and I've been through yes. the taper before that I know that at the end of this training block, I'm going to taper for a couple of weeks and all of those weird little twinges are going to pop up. But this is midway through the training cycle. This is what a taper might feel like and gives us the opportunity to talk about that. So when the real taper comes, I'll be ready. Yeah. Go ahead and tell you, you won't be a couple of weeks. It'll be a week. <laughs> right. But even that time just before the race, like you said, all the training's done, the miles are had, we're preparing for the race, but then those weird things will crop up. But I would have already gone through it during this week, for example. Yeah. Now, but I think there it comes down to a point where athletes just have to believe more in recovery. Everybody knows, oh, I'll run more, I'll be more efficient, or I'll be more fit, whatever the case may be. But we have to, much as we believe in building the fitness, we have to understand that the fitness occurs when the body rebuilds itself, right? Because you're stressing it. It starts to realize that you're going to stress it. So every time you rest, it prepares for the next stress. And you repeat that cycle over and over and over again. And the body continues to say, okay, we're going to keep running. I need to get stronger. No different than going to the gym or lifting heavy weight. Oh, we're going to lift heavy weight. We need to get bigger. We need more muscle mass to lift this more weight. We need more muscle fibers. So the mind and the body started to create more to you know, sustain whatever the pace or the rep, the hockey stick in the fitness area. But I think it also really depends on each individual athlete, right? You know, I was going low 30s in the mileage. We've done that the last several weeks. And then we stepped back to 17. If I was an elite athlete and I was running 80, 90 miles a week, the step back wouldn't go back to 17, but it would be like a, a comparable kind of step back. Whereas maybe from, I don't know, 90 to 40 or something like that. Yeah, it really depends on the training cycle, right? Like, where are you at in, in your season? What's next? What's going on now? How has your body adapted to the low prior, right? Like, the, do I need to, do I, how far do I need to pull back? And have I had to, because guess what? We'd have had to take, like, you, you're, you're really consistent. So you're doing your training, like, boom, 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 boom. Right. And so I can structure a time away or downtime a little bit better because I know that you're going to do it right. But now when you have athletes, just no different in training or a race week or getting closer to race day, your ability to be more consistent is going to help you. But if you got like travel or events going on or you get sick or you're missing workouts, you're like the down week ain't going to, it's not going to look the same. Right. Because like, essentially, if you've been off for a week, for whatever reason, you went on a vacation for a week or whatever, like you're not going to take you down to 17. I might give you an extra day off, but the load may re remain the same. So it's really understanding those things and understanding how the body just, it needs the recovery and it needs the time to prepare for the next part. Cause you ramp up, you back off, you ramp up, back off. And whatever that ratio is for an individual athlete is, like you said, it's going to be very different for each athlete. But as we go through, what was a great point that you made is this is like the simulation of that. What will I feel like? What will I go through? So the second part of like taper that people deal with, like for you, you say you felt those aches and pains, but you're pretty strong mentally too. But tell me, did you have any thoughts, did any doubts or positive thoughts. It doesn't, everybody's different. What were you thinking about during, I'm doing less, I'm taking time off. Am I, was it like some people think, am I going to be ready? I am ready. Like, where were you at? 
No, I, I, that's a, a great question. I think in having done the half marathons before, it really did feel like a taper, even though I know that I'm not racing this next week. And so I think having been through that and also your preparation of saying, hey, you're going from 32 down to 17 this week and you're going to feel some pain. In the anticipation, like I knew that. And so I don't think the negative thoughts really crept in as much. Like I had a three-mile run yesterday. And the two three-mile runs, we had steady runs this week. And so as you had said, you know, I, I pushed the pace a little bit. I think I really worked yesterday to keep it right around a 9.05 or a nine-minute pace just to put that practice in. And I felt sore. And then I immediately was like, man, I shouldn't feel sore after this three-mile run. But then I also said, well, I know that's because this is a step back week and that's just part of the process. Maybe a little brief fleeting thought. And then I just rationalized it because I knew what it was. Yeah. Then everybody handles those thoughts differently, but again, pay attention to them because if they're positive, they may be positive when you're just, guess what? Taking a down week, but all, as you get closer to race day. A lot of athletes, yeah, I would at least give it 50% of athletes are going to have that anxiety of, am I really ready? Am I, can I even do this? Or why am I here? Or all that was for nothing. Because you, you start getting tired. Like sometimes with, that's why like big races, people always say during a study cell, like one or two a year, you have a big A race. Why? Because it weighs a lot on you. And as you get closer to the race, doubt starts to creep in. And so... You knowing the physical aspects, say, okay, preparing you that for that, but then knowing the mental aspects and the mental and emotional side is this things that I, I'm probably going to be thinking about. Am I, I'm going to, am I going to doubt myself? And okay, if I'm doubting myself, or what do I need to remind myself? Like, what does that look like? Like, it's cause the dark moments always find a way to creep in and you just have to be aware of that. But that's the kind of a big portion of like race day preparation. It doesn't just start the day before. Right. A lot of people wait the day before. So, yeah, I'm getting ready for the race. Everything that you've done that week prior is really what's going to affect you on, on during that week. And so what I would ask, this would be a good exercise to say, tell me what you've done to prepare for your last half. And then we'll say, okay, this is what we can do. Either What I don't want to do is change what's not broken. So if we can approve on your process that is yours, let's do that instead of making something totally different. Yeah. And I think they're in, into that point, I think I, I was thinking of doing something different, but going back to this last half marathon I did in December, um, it was in a different town, maybe 40 minutes away. So about 40 minutes South of where I'm at now. Um, so I do like to get the stuff ahead of time, right? I drove down there, I think on a Saturday, picked up the packet, got the race bib and stuff like that. And then the race was on a Sunday morning. If I remember, it was maybe 10 o'clock or something like that. The taper, doing the taper, just running some miles. I think if I recall, I did a short, maybe three miles either the day before the day, or two days. So I, maybe I, I ran on Friday and then I maybe took it easy on a Saturday, drove down, picked up my bib and then laid everything out. Definitely, you know, had some small piece to eat. I know that we're doing different nutrition. I didn't have full on breakfast like two hours before and stuff like that. Probably arrived at the race, knowing me, probably 90 minutes, but anywhere from 90 minutes to an hour ahead of the start. The day before when I had picked up the packet, I drove over to where the race was going to start and just familiarized myself in like we talked about before, this is a military. I'm the planner, right? 
Where am I going to park? And really with that race, like the first mile was like two loops around the park there. I was doing that sort of visualization of what the first couple miles were going to be, saw where I was going to dip down and go on to the rest of the course. So I spent some time previewing the course a little bit. And then that morning got there, like I said, about 90 minutes. Heart had some stuff to drink. It stressed out a little bit. I do a little bit of warm up. I don't, recall, I don't know, maybe I, I ran about a half a mile, stretched a little bit ran back a half a mile to where the start line was and then just sort of waited for the show to start. Yeah. A lot of us, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, I wish most people had ordered that. And you see where I always prepare athletes. It's like the better you play, the less stress you will have on race day and race week. The less stress means you have less anxiety. Less anxiety means you can eat, you can sleep, you can be more focused, right? And so... That's what planning does. It doesn't, people are like, oh, you're a planner, you gotta do this, it does. It minimizes the anxiety. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to think about things. Go on race day, I know you can remember, it's like, you know what you did, but it was probably people out there asking a thousand questions and people like running around with their head cut off because they had done none of that. Did you see any of that out there? But yeah, and that's the pieces is, and maybe I glossed over it, but of course, part of the race day calculus or the race day preparation was uh, when do you get in line for the porta potties? When do you take oh, care of the final? And it's almost like, I don't do math. That's why I'm a therapist, right? but it's almost like calculus. <laughs> like what is the length of the line times the amount of time I have left? The variable is the number of porta potties. And yeah, so it's yeah. like, try to do this a quadratic equation in my mind. And I do that, right? I'll get in line if it's a longer line even if I don't have to go, know when I'm going to go. But there were people like the race was starting in five minutes. Like they were going to chase over there and like chasing back. There were people running the start line from the line and coming out of the porta potty and hitting the whistle. So I, I think that, yeah, there was a lot of that where where people don't really, and I've been there before, not really planning on that. But there was, again, that particular half marathon and then this marathon that I've done the half marathon before. So I was familiar with the start line too. I've done this half marathon I did in December. I did back in 2009. So I was right. familiar enough with sort of the way it was set up. But you're right. There were people there that, that for a number of different reasons, seemed like they were uncertain. Yeah. And that uncertainty is lack of preparation. And so I'll be more structured. I don't do this for every athlete. Like I want to make sure I'm clear this to everybody because everybody prepares differently. And sometimes and you're like, oh, I might even have athletes that are, that are mine now. Listen, so we didn't do that. Well, there's a couple of reasons why I don't give people detail. This is the way you do. You should do it. Some athletes, I've had athletes literally get stressed out over the detail of planning. Right. That is too much. They're like, I don't know what to do. And, it, and to you, it might, uh, I say you, a listener, it may be super simple. Like, just do that, do that. They're trying to think, like, it just looks like so much. I can't do this. And they need, I literally take them up to, let's get to race week. Then let's get to the day before the race. Then let's get to race morning. Let's get through the race. Then let's talk about posts, right? And then literally walk them through. But then there's some, it's okay. Let's plan from now until post-race. And they can do it. And they're in, but they I would recommend doing it that way. But everybody's brain and the way they learn and the way they practice is totally different. Can it be improved on? Can you do something better? I recommend maybe trying it out. But if you do it now, right? Because things will change. So when the race changes, when the course changes, when the weather changes. Like whatever it is, when the shoe goes out the day before or the car breaks down or 
somehow, whatever it is, know that it will happen. There will be events where you, everything goes smoother, right? But things will happen. But long, the sooner you start visualizing, like and you'll see that in a lot, a lot of high-level people in, that are in preparation and planning and leadership and development, how can we project what it's going to look like? Because that gives you the understanding of what I need to do between now and then to be prepared. Because if, you, if you get, wait till you get too close to start planning and preparation, if there are things you need to adjust, training, pacing, nutrition, hotel, whatever it may be, you have time to actually make the changes. No, you're absolutely right. And that makes me, and you talk about the different variables. And as you were just talking, I was remembering the very first half marathon I ever did was in Boulder, probably two hours away from where I'm at now. Me and the family, I got a speeding ticket on my way to my first oh, half marathon <laughs> because the, the, the whole person speed, you're going fast. Because, and I decided, and the race started like eight in the morning. And I got, and this is my wife was with me and the kids were, you know, what, 10, 15 years younger. And and I drove from where I was at. I didn't go up there. I didn't stay overnight. And I was late. Like it, it, it was all that stress. And so that's okay. one thing that just like with this race that I'm having, it's about 90 minutes away. I'm going to stay in a hotel. Right? I'm going to go up there before we're probably going to get a place to stay so that I don't get a speeding ticket on the way to my marathon. Yeah, but then, like you just added another variable, right? I didn't even say family. If it could be your wife, and if she's not good with logistics and you usually take them, like, where are you going to send them? Where are they going to be? Do they even need to come? Should they come? Is it too cold for your infant or whatever it may be? Like, have you thought all of it through? Because guess what? This is a guarantee. They, your family, Whoever it is, it could be a mother, your father, they're elderly or your small little ones, or even your teenagers. Because teenagers is like, I got to get up early. How, when are we leaving? How long is it going to take to get there? Complain, complain, complain sometimes. And there's going to be other teenagers that are like, whatever you need, mom, dad, whatever you need. But you need to know what in your life, what does that look like? And so because the, now, if you're taking the family, you got, like you say, you got to get a place to stay. You got to make sure they're good because they're there because of you. And people inherently, if they're not taken care of, like most people that I've met, not everyone, will feel bad if like they don't have a decent experience, right? Because they've given so much sacrifice in a lot of cases where your family time has been sacrificed so you can do and train this race. And now they're there waiting for you and they're at the finish line when you come through. How are you taking care of them? So that's a whole nother really conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, and here we are two months out from the race and my wife and my kids are older. Thankfully I'm beyond that, that this is boring. Let's not do this anymore. <laughs> the other, they're old enough to decide whether they do or they don't. But like a, in that half marathon, I drove myself there. I ran it. I drove myself back. We've already talked about we're here. We're going to get a place to stay. One of them is going to drop me off. So I don't have to drive. We don't have to mess with parking. And they're going to go back and go to sleep. And then we're going to talk about where they're going to meet me on the course. We're going to get a place to stay farther on the course where they don't have to go very far to see me. And then they can drive into the finish because I ain't it, where they're going to meet me is still going to be about another hour and a half before I get to the finish line. If we, if we so, do yeah. the, the pace. Right. So yeah, we've already talked about that and considered what that's going to look like, not in detail, but just in, yeah. in general. Yeah. And that's good though. So those are the pieces because some people like they get out there and they send them out and 
They stand around for four hours, five hours. What do I do? I'm hungry. My feet hurt. And you know, this is another part of the planning process. And people we know, we're, I'm, I know I'm giving you a lot of information, but this is the further out, you got longer to think about it. Okay, I'm going to drop you off in the morning. Depending on the race, we'll decide the road closures. And I'll let you know because I have worked, I've worked events for over the last 10, 15 years. And guess what? And then, then in some towns where they're very, matter of fact, I'm driving back from D.C. where I was working with the Rock and Roll Marathon. We were in a lead vehicle. We had to be there earlier right? because we had the clock that had first place guy follow us the whole half marathon, right? Running like under five minute miles. And we had to be out there early and no turn by turn and ride, run the course, right? All those pieces of logistics when it comes to the lay of the land, when it comes to traffic and things of that nature, most races are laying cones and blocking roads at 3 or 4 a.m. You might say, you know what? Drop me off right here. Well, have you looked at the have you looked at the athlete guide? Have, did you go to the brief? Do you have the information on what roads will be closed? No, that's an important piece, too, because that can throw a wrench in everything. You know what I mean? And so... That's a big piece and just really starting to like teach yourself what does this look like? And then we'll have another call where we'll talk about what race week will look like for you. What are we doing training-wise? How are we preparing recovery-wise? Nutrition, stress, visualization, equipment, things of that nature. I think that's that'll be another call in the future for sure. Maybe even the next one, actually. I appreciate that. And as you and I have talked about in, in your travels coming up more quickly for you, but there was, there was something this past week where there might've been a work trip on the week before the marathon. And I was like, no, I can't do that. Coach is going to coach will have me if I'm traveling the week before that. And, Cause they were like, oh, you sure we might be able to get you in and out Monday. I was like, no, let's not plan on that the week before the marathon because coach will get me. You might get yourself. You're right. No, you're, you're right. right. This is the biggest one, right? Like for a lot of athletes, even though you're like, oh, I can fly in and do this. If you've never, if you don't do it on a regular basis or you've never done it, you don't know how your body's going to react to a long flight, a short flight, sitting down, flying across the country. Right. And so you got to get there early enough to let your body get rid of all that jet lag or time change. And that, that, that does a lot on you. Your body goes under a, a big stressor when you travel. And even if you're driving, so I think, oh, what's the, how far are you away? Was that 90 minute drive or something? Yeah, it's about an hour and a half. Yeah, I just was thinking about this. I didn't run this weekend. I was going to, I was, didn't have to work as much, but like I had to drive five hours. I've heard of people driving longer than that to go do a race. And so the logistics, not only there, but what have you thought about on the way back? Oh, I'm coming straight back and I got a nine hour drive. And it sounds great in theory till you run a marathon. Right. And then, no, that was, and this was way back when I was doing it before, but, but I told my wife, and this is, I was running a half marathon up in Denver and I said, oh, I'll, I'll be back in about an hour and a half. And she said, I'll see you in three hours. Sure enough, I had to pull over, take a nap. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. It just ran. You executive wipes you out. I, I'd even ran this weekend. I'm losing my voice. I stopped to get a Reese's cup, right? And because I'm like, man, I'm just, you sleep in a different bed, but you went down there and you had the anxiety. So you didn't really get a good rest the day before. And then you run three, four, five, six hours, whoever you are, you know what I mean? You may have even had a rough race. Nutrition was off, dehydration or whatever was going on. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to drive back tonight. 
then it dictates on what time are you leaving? How far are you away? What time are you going to get there? And as the sun goes down, people, especially as you get older, when that sun goes down, that internal clock starts saying, like, I should be sleeping. It's almost seven. <laughs> it's almost past my bedtime. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think this is, and this is definitely helpful to think about, yeah, what my plan was typically on the longer races that I've done and what generally, but more specifically, I'm going to do for this race. And again, we're two months out. And you were talking earlier about how this step back week was a little bit like that, where I didn't feel a lot that anxiety. I, it's going to be different in two months because the race it's is going to totally be imminent. Different. And now is the time to go back into this conversation. We'll talk more about the details. And if you want to like tribute people to you that understand it of what that looks like to you, what I can do is I can send you like a kind of a shell where you can fill it out. And then we can go over that on one of the episodes and say, this is what the pre-race workup looks like. And the visualization, you know, we can just talk through, okay, what are you going to do? Why are you doing this? Right? And if this is a good idea, and so we can start making those tweaks now. And that are a very important part of everything. Mm -hmm. I, and this is good stuff. This is really good. I think it's very beneficial. Yeah, and me too. And so I, I think we got a good week coming up, a couple of eight-mile runs, a nice 12-mile run before the eight-mile run. You're giving yeah. another simulation to the back end of the race, so that'll be fun for a given value of fun. Yeah, we, and we, this is where, from here, so the, I got okay, the ending, though, I guess the second part of this, is that's, we go into, we had the back, you know, down week, right? We went more work to 30, 32 miles, came down to 17. But now, as you see already, like, the volume has increased. And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to bring you to 40 and we're going to hold you at 40. And so after this week, after we see how your body kind of adjusts, that will dictate if we kind of pull back a few miles or if we, if you handle it well, then we will start to put in more tempo work. We'll start working on a little bit more muscular endurance, holding speed. We'll start running at race pace from now on. Right after this week, and I just want to see how your body handles this value. And, and before we start to say, this is set. And then what we're going to do is bring in some speed work, not sprints, not VO2 max, some tempo and level runs. Because this is our, our goal is not to break a PR or break a record. It's to, it's to get out there, enjoy it, feel strong doing it. But so now as we got the, that, the cardiovascular, the aerobic ability to like be out there. Now let's build some more resilience in the muscles, make them stronger. You don't want to do that too early because depending on the person, age, sex, all these different things, as a coach, I got to be wary of like what fatigue is going to cause on your body. So I got to be paying attention. Got to be reading the notes, right? Because it's okay, you need to back off because I'm about to give you a little bit more than you're used to and your body, it went up in volume. But we also are going to go up in intensity at least one day, right? And so these are in stages. So you'll see a lot of people go really hard for it. But you can't just go from zero to 60 with your body. you got to slowly build through it. So a lot of people want to go fast sooner, but that gives you more. We can do sprints and stuff like that. But your body's not ready for that because we haven't trained under this load. Mm -hmm. So I have to be have very much attention to how it reacts. And the tempo stuff is, it doesn't cause as much fatigue, but it works with different energy systems, right? And so we want to make sure we do that. And then once we hone it on the pace, we want to just nail that down. Do it again, do it again. Get your body used to running a certain pace. Get you used to understanding how to feel. 
maybe throw some variations on some race pace runs and then also get the nutrition down to adapt to that pace. Like the body's like, okay, this is what I'm having and going from there. And as we go on the longer runs, two hours, three hours, three and a half, right? And just see what the body does, making sure like we've been training for a while, paying attention to your shoes. You've been putting a lot of mileage in more than usual. And you might have, and before you might've kept a pair of shoes for three, four months, six months, but eight months. But now you put more volume in. So that volume that you just usually taking you a longer period of time is was done in a short period of time, but the shoes are going to have the same effect. And so just thinking about those things and working through, that's where we are now. Yeah, it sounds good. I, I think the good thing about this being the first marathon is no matter what I run, it'll be a PR. So I'm guaranteed to get a PR. Facts. Facts. Yeah. Factual information. I, so yeah, I think that looking forward to this week, I got the gels. We're going to, we're going to try out the gels. We're going to try proper nutrition and not, not some chewy bars and, and we'll see how it goes next week. Not a problem. You can have the chewy bars after. <laughs> the chewy bars before or after. It's the pre and post, never during. All right. Sounds good. Yes, Thanks, sir. coach. All right, brother. So that was week 10. Again, for me, it was beneficial to have this step back week, not because of the recovery piece physically, but as a reminder that this is what a taper feels like. Your body is used to doing a lot, moving a lot, and all of a sudden it's doing less, but the momentum still wants it to keep going forward. And it was really a taper to remind me how it physically feels without the additional anxiety of an upcoming race. So that's something I'll be prepared for in two months before the race starts. And these next two months are going to be exciting. As coach says, we're going to be going up to 40 miles a week, which is a higher training load than I've ever done. With all the half marathons I've done, I don't think I ever ran over 25 to 30 miles a week. And on top of that, our jobs are going to be taking coach and I in a bunch of different directions with work travel. So stay tuned to see how it goes and drop me a line of encouragement every once in a while. I may need it. So thanks again for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, where you can hear mere mortals like you and me reach our goals as I train for the 2023 Denver Colfax Marathon. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. If you want to support a great cause, I'm a charity partner with Second Wind Fund, a Colorado organization that focuses on improving access and delivery of suicide prevention care for children and youth at risk for suicide. You can donate to the cause by going to coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast. As a reminder, simply by listening to the show, a dollar's going into the pot. If you want more dollars to go into the pot, share the show with others who may appreciate it. If you want to reach out to Coach Morgan to show appreciation for the excellent work that he does or sign up for the People's Coach newsletter, you can find him at morganlatimore.com. All of the links to these are going to be in the show notes. So thanks for joining us for another episode of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. And just remember, mere mortals can do extraordinary things.